Welcome to TV Chinwag, where we take one part cheeky talk, two parts witty banter, and dump in a whole heaping spoonful of snark. It's TV Chinwag. Here are your hosts, Ryan and Jules. Hello everyone and welcome to the 16th and the probably our first live podcast with an audience. Hello audience. Yay! Oh come on! (laughs) Thank you. Ryan, you don't know how to whip women into a frenzy. I really don't, Jules. This is nothing new. I've known this for quite a while. Okay. (laughs) With me as always is my um, companion Jules. Companion here? Well, I'm the companion you're the doctor. Yeah, Everybody thank knows you. that. And joining us today is a young man whom you may know from oh, some different TV shows, uh, such as a show called X Files, a show called Firefly, a show called Battlestar Galactica. You've probably not seen a lot of these, they were on some small channels. Um, but also on a BBC show called Doctor Who and a CW show called Supernatural. Joining us today is Mr. Mark Shepard. Hey guys. Mark, thanks it's for It's Sunday coming. morning. Yes. It's Sunday morning on a working day. It's Sunday morning on a working day? Yes. What's that? Ma- so that's I'm working the rest of the day. Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry, Mark. Do you work well, we next have... week? Uh, no. 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 So you're all right. I got stuff to do. Yeah. Everyone's how you doing? Me. Excellent. How are you? <laughs> you're looking better shape than you did last night. <laughs> I wish I could feel better than I did last night because I'm not feeling as good uh, for some reason. I, I left the party and went and worked out. Yeah, that was a smart decision. You're a very good. smart, astute man. Yeah, so we hate you right now. Not, yeah, not, not, not Mark? Yeah. Why are you Mark? Well, because he's chirpy he made, and yeah, Sunday morning. Fresh. This is as chirpy as I get. Yeah. Exactly. We promise not to tell anyone we saw you chirpy. Absolutely. Yeah. And we should mention we're here in sunny Vancouver. It's lovely weather. Mm-hmm. Gorgeous day and the Sunday of the Vancouver Supernatural Convention, which is why Mark will be working all day. Yes. Which is why we're feeling rough today. (laughs) You're going to be feeling really rough by tonight. It may be a short day for me. (laughs) So, what can we do? What can we talk about? Well, normally we start, we talk a bit about news. Um, Do you know any news just off the top of What's happening in television, Mark? What's happening in television? (laughs) Well, series are getting shorter. Have you not noticed that? Yes. Yeah. In a general point, I think uh, I think the uh, twelve and thirteen show episode model is is now going to become the norm. I think it's going to be very interesting. Shows like Supernatural and, and other CW shows that have traditionally have twenty two, mm. twenty or twenty two seasons in order to get to a syndication level mm. by a certain amount of years. I don't think that's going to go on much longer. I think the the Breaking Bad and the and the Sopranos mm. and, and even the Doctor Who. Mm. The idea of, of putting together six to twelve great shows in a season yeah. is going to be the new norm. I think it's changing a lot. I mean, there's lots of series coming out now that only have eight episodes, yeah. right? Um, and you know, they're usually a bigger budget show, but can you tell the whole story that you need to tell in eight episodes when you used to take twenty-three or even twelve? I think it's the other way around. I think mm. it's. I think that when you look, with the greatest respect, when you look at procedurals. You start thinking of how many stories can you cram into Law and Order SVU? I mean, really, forty like, years worth apparently. They've got nine. They've got nine thousand episodes or whatever it is that they've done this point, right. and yeah. you're recycling mm. concepts. And then, in order to make it different, they become serialized. Mm-hmm. In order to make it slightly different to change mm-hmm. it up, mm-hmm. they start putting. Oh, let's do a three-episode arc of something. Right. And you go, well, that's what we did anyway with Battlestar. With yeah. it, we, you know, it was that sure. was the way. And yeah. I guess we started by by splitting seasons. Like making ten split seasons, mm. 
And that's now, I, I think, even with Supernatural, it's really two seasons in a year. Mm. No, it could, absolutely could be, yeah. I think it's very much yeah. that way. We have yeah. that mid-season break, and yeah. then we work out the next season. That's right. Usually things are resolved by that mid-season, or new problems in, introduced that mm. they spend the next, the back half solving. But you, you know what it's like in your, in your job. I mean, we, right. I've watched you at the end of the last, certainly the last couple yeah. of years, you and Mark and everybody going, okay, we have five weeks to turn around <laughs> for this. Yeah, five would be, yeah, five's generous sometimes. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think... The, the worst or best it gets is three and a half weeks turnaround at the end. Yeah, but so they try to do non-effect-heavy shows towards that. So you actually... Uh, you But you have your finale, right? Your finale has to be big and it has to be uh, I remember, awesome. I remember the season sheer, eight. I remember yeah. the sheer joy, yeah. the sheer joy of, uh, of, uh, of watching you bring in the iPad to set with the... With the wireframes of the angels falling, mm. oh, right. yeah. like, and just getting an idea of what that was going to be, mm-hmm. knowing that it was going to be that huge, that we had what we were going doing as far as acting was concerned. We knew what the story was, we knew where we were going with that. But then the idea that on top of this, there was these three, four other concurrent stories that yeah. had to be to be put out. Yeah, had to be wrapped up. Yeah, it's it's funny. It's like we we have you know. I've got a funny feeling this podcast is going to end up as like a double podcast <laughs> on, on, both, on both these subjects. <laughs> yes. because it's probably they, they cross very well. I think yeah. this, mm. the Super Who concept mm-hmm. is actually great. Well, they're both shows that are made with a lot of love under two very very different systems. The BBC is mm. a system which is, makes it very difficult to make stuff you love because it's a giant corporation that works in a, it's a very particular way. Mm-hmm. And the, the Stephen Moffats and and and, uh, and the Mark Gatisses and 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 those people around, uh, I think, very much buck the system. They make it, they, they push the, the envelope and the limits of what it is that mm. you can do on shows that are essentially non-union anymore because the unions have been broken. Mm. So there's no overtime. There's mm. no, your, your, your structured day on an episode of, of, of Doctor Who is very specific. I remember I arrived and I got a call sheet and it said we finish at seven. And I'm like, well, what happens when we go over? And they're like, well, we don't go over. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean you don't go over? <laughs> right. I'm like, are you kidding me? And so it's like, tools down at seven and everyone well, it's, leaves. No, it's worse than that. It's, it's, very, it's much more British than that. Right. Which, is, which, is, which is, if you want to go over, you have to uh, poll the crew mm. to see whether they're willing to stay the extra time. And it's like, if somebody says, well, my auntie Mabel is coming on, on, on at five o'clock, so right. I can't be there. Right. That's the end of it. Wow. So it, it's an extraordinary... But, Conversely, it's, it doesn't make it less than. It means that the utilization of time it's is completely different. Whereas what we do mm-hmm. when we're working on when we're working on supernatural, yeah. we know. Ask Jim Michaels the greatest the greatest explanations you'll get from from Jim or Kevin. Yeah. When, what we do is structured to have overtime. It's built in mm. so that we're shooting a ten day episode in eight days. That's what we're really doing. Mm. And so the intricacies of having to layer it in and use. Uh, um, use time effectively right. even though you know you're going over yes. so it's a constant ebb and flow and push and pull just to get it to s- just almost fit almost into that. fit yeah. and it's, it's almost exactly the same result mm. whereas Doctor Who will go no we need 10 days to shoot it we're going no no we shoot it in 8 days and yes. then it's okay this is this panic that's that panic yeah. and do we have enough and then we put that on the second unit yeah. and then we have a whole other crew that are shooting all the bits that were left over from the four other it just it's an incredibly complex thing I just find, I think our way is more stressful. Well, it is. You don't know what's coming. I mean, usually on a Monday, your clock starts, so you start at an 8 a.m. call, which is typically the earliest that we start, and you go for 12 hours. 
hopefully you're wrapping by 8 p.m. We never go beyond 14. We don't go beyond 14, but you have to be careful because the actors have to have a 12-hour turnaround, meaning they have to have 12 hours off from the time that you wrap till they come to set. So often what happens is the weeks get later and later and later and later. Well, as so you, you start on Monday, you start at an 8, and you're likely to schedule Friday for 2 or 3 in the afternoon because you push that extra hour. So you say you've done... Even if you do 12 hours, you're unlikely to be able to give turnaround. Mm-hmm. So if you go into a 13th hour of some sort, 12 hours plus lunch right. is 13 hours. So now you can't turn the actor around or you can't turn the crew around or you're beating up the crew. So then you get people like Kevin and, 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 and Jim and Craig and everybody put, put schedules together that know that you're going to shoot night stuff towards yeah. the end of the week. Right. So you start pushing towards the night or you start to prep that. Mm-hmm. And that's the logistics, which, which to run a 22-episode show... Those guys are fantastic. I mean, it's amazing how they schedule. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. And some actors have different turnaround rules than other actors. Absolutely. Some actors have, you know, and there are, there are odd vagaries in SAG contracts. Like, you can go exterior to exterior in 10 hours, for example, which is a great really? one. Oh, yeah. But the funny thing is that Jim and Craig and, 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 and the producers, and, and Kevin, of course, and Johnny Mac, they don't abuse that system no. at all because they we've don't. been together so long. They've been together longer than me, but... We've been together so long. You don't beat up your crew. You don't. You don't push them around like that unless you absolutely have to. Yeah. Unless you know you're going for a finale or you know you're trying to do something. Which must be liked by the end of the season because everyone is going to be more tired because you've been doing it for nine months and mm-hmm. you'd be. Well, it's not a negative, but for example, you know that you know that uh, episode twenty was yeah. the was the uh, the spin off. Yeah. What was amazing to me to watch is I wasn't in. I wasn't. I don't think I was. I wasn't in nineteen. I was in twenty one, mm-hmm. and I came back in twenty one and. When you shoot a pilot, you're in a very different set of rules than if you're shooting an episode of a television show that's established. When you're shooting a pilot now, you're, you're, you're trying to create things for the first time and you have so many people telling you what you have to do and so many people tweaking. Ten times the amount yeah. of input that you would get on an episode of television. Yeah. They trust you with episode 20, yeah. but they don't trust you with episode one because mm-hmm. episode one is whether it succeeds or not. Mm-hmm. And you've got a crew that's fantastic. You've got Bob, Bob at the helm and all the rest yeah. of the stuff and they're putting it together. But what happened was, is in that eight-day window, which is the only eight-day window they had, they have to shoot 12, 13 days. Mm-hmm. But in that eight days, they sandwiched that into our normal, into our normal schedule. The crew was absolutely beat up yeah. by the end of that. I've yeah. never mm-hmm. seen them so tired. So when I came into episode 21, they just shot a pilot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then said, okay, let's start on the next, let's go. And then we go straight into the next episode. Yeah. Everyone's like... So the last three was, was such hard work for them because it was it was exhausting. It's exhausting to try to perfect everything. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, there's a there's a commonality in, in this show as there is with Who, which is you know if I'm bringing the two things together, they're yeah. incredibly close and very similar um, types of actors, the way the actors behave with each other, producers, the way the producers behave, and the crew, the way the crew is. Right. People do that because of love. There, mm. you know, they're still making the same whatever it is twenty cent, you know. 20 cents a mile mileage on Doctor Who right. in Cardiff. I got, oh, it's great. I got my per diem. You know, per diem, you get paid every day, right? So it's, a, it's part of the contract. So it's a weird thing because they feed you and they put you up in a hotel. No, they and they feed you. You've got to you forget. You're well, if you're on set, you're yeah, fat. But you've got to think about it. You're the on set. The days when you're not. Well, but forget that. What if I come in at two in the afternoon? You miss lunch. I've missed ah, right. breakfast. one thing or whatever. Enough, yeah. so, they, so they have to give you money. And gotcha. The idea was it's so you can wash your socks, make phone, <laughs> make phone calls yeah. when you're away from home, right. and, and be able to function right. and eat. And so they would give you a per diem. And the per diem, I think the per diem for Screen Actors Guild minimum is about $60 a day. 
It's not a lot of money, but it's sixty dollars a day. But do they give you in cash still? They uh, depend. If you well, if you really want to know, yeah. yeah I mean, they, they they do unless you're a corporation, in which mm. case they put it on your check. Gotcha. Because it's all taxes. Complicated, <laughs> but it's, it's just funny to see people handing cash to that's to other people. Go to accountants, yeah. and, and, yeah. and, you, and, and yeah. they give you your envelope. You sign, yeah. or the driver will hand you an envelope, and you sign for it. And yeah. you stack of cash. Yeah. In the old days, we used to like keep our cash, and when right. we appeared to do X Files, it was sixty-eight cents of the dollar back then, right. and we were paid sixty dollars. America, so get, yeah. So I would get a hundred, a hundred dollars basically to play a day. It was like jackpot, and you couldn't spend it. And you know, you know, you all the time. Right. So it's like you'd leave and you'd have this extra, you know, six or seven hundred dollars right. that you, you made. Yeah, wow. <laughs> you know? it makes it worth it. So I go to I go to Car- Cardiff. Yeah. I love Cardiff, and I'm like, so so. Guy uh, hands me an envelope. She goes, like, here you go. And I'm like, what's this? She goes, that's your per diem. I'm like, oh great. And I open it. There's 180 pounds in there. Oof. And I'm like, that's great. I said, can I ask you how long is this for? She's like, shut up. I'm like what? I said, like, how long is this for? She goes. It's for the run of the show. <gasps> I'm like, 18 days at 10 pounds a day. <laughs> Which actually then was probably worse than it is. It was 160 something. Yeah. But then I think it was about 140 something. At the time. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> that's, a, that's a cup of tea and a biscuit. <laughs> I, was, I was absolutely astonished yeah. by the money. And this is, this is the same day as I'd, I'd gone on set. And I was like, where's the craft service table? And they're like, oh, we don't have one of those. Like, would you like me to buy one? They're like, no, no, no. <laughs> what, we, what we have is we have a girl that would come around about 11 o'clock and bring you a cup of tea and a chucky biscuit. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> they, they gave me this wonderful, wonderful girl whose name escapes me right now because it's early on Sunday morning. She was just fabulous. I wish I could remember her name. And she had a firefly. She had a, uh, a firefly tattoo. On her oh, cool. Yeah, I could tell that's why they picked her. <laughs> magical, magical girl. She was just wild, crazy hair and... and, and but she would bring me tea all day. I drank like 40 cups of tea a day. <laughs> but there's no craft service table. We live on craft service. Why do we live on craft service tables? Because they didn't want crew to down tools in between stuff mm. to go get snack or get eat. So you just have a table with everything on it. You eat and run. So that was the idea. You just keep it working. You keep understand working, the crew works for 12 hours yes. minimum. They get a half hour break. Right, it's a one hour or half hour break depending on the lunch. Well, yeah. with, with us, it's usually a half hour, 99% of the time. It's a half hour break in a 12 hour or a 14 hour work day. Yeah, so. It's hard to also, it's hard for them to step off set. Yeah. You can't go anywhere in a half hour. You can't even get to your car half the time. So that's why food's provided. So food was always there. And then craft service at a, at a great show is an amazing source of sustenance because mm-hmm. after a while, actors like to be skinny and not die of horrible heart diseases. So they tend to have good food. So you can eat really good food all day, you can graze. In England, they don't have a craft service table. It's like, oh, okay. So there's no craft service table. I get 180 pounds. And, I go, and I'm like, great, I've got, to, I've got to have my breakfast. So you go to the double-decker bus that, that is the, the British traditional eating <laughs> yeah. spot. There's yeah. a truck with the food yeah. and an awning. And then and it's a trailer. It's not actually a bus oh. truck. It's very weird looking. Oh. It's like a box. <laughs> You're like, okay. It's like, it sounds like, like post-war civil yes. service. It's, it's, no, it's because it's never changed. Yeah, it's, exactly. always, it's always yeah, been the same, same way, which is, I love the tradition. Yeah. I never did that because I never worked in England, apart from in the name of the father. Oh, right. And so everyone assumes that I'd, I'd worked there and I know the system. And I'm like, guys, I don't know anything about anything. If I'm being weird, just tell me. If I do something wrong, <laughs> right, just tell me. Let me know. Because I think this is hysterical. Right. And I'm ha- just happy to be there. So I go to get my breakfast with my 180 pounds. So I take a two-pound yeah. coin, two-pound coins, one pound, whatever, two pounds. 
coins and come stuff and come look at my stuff. And I'd get my breakfast. I said, great, I'll have this, 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 and this. They're great. And they'd, that'll be two pounds, please. I'm like, what? Breakfast was two pounds. No, four pounds. Breakfast was no. Breakfast was two pounds, and lunch was four. What? So that was that was your per diem. So That's why they give you your per diem. My, my, I just got ten pounds. Ten pounds. It's gone out in food. Like, what happened? It's, well, because because technically it's a studio. It's a commissary. Right. Technically, called it's the studio, so it's a commissary, and you're paying a commissary. I'm like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't care. But that's the way the system works. Right. There. Right. Very, very different. So people there, to bring it back in, the people there are doing it for love. Right. Because and they're putting everything they can possibly put into it to make it the way it is. And yeah. that's the analogy that I get with Supernatural. There's other CW shows. There's good CW shows. There's maybe not so good ones. And, and but as far as camaraderie is concerned, the, 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 the analogy is that, or the, or the parallel, sorry, is that um, high, highly intelligent cast, highly intelligent crew, very passionate about what they do. And they work hard and they play hard, really hard. <laughs> As you could tell from last night. Yeah. <laughs> Misha ripped the shirt off your body. <clears throat> What Dean Winchester says about angels is true. They are douchebags. <laughs> I was like, he's not going to do that. He's not. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And he would have kept going. I'm like, please don't do that. I don't want <laughs> to walk around bare chested. I'd have to find you another shirt. Yeah. Right? I would have found your shirt. Thanks. I do have to <laughs> change, but it's a crap. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you would have yeah. been well, you, you were very Canadian. Yes, I didn't, exactly. I didn't please, not please change. Place. Yeah, but you made it very clear that you could do if you wanted. Right. To, to be fair, there was an executive producer saying, "Please, just don't hit him in the face." Please don't <laughs> hit him in the stomach. Hit him in the stomach. Ribs. Don't break another back. No. Yeah. No. So, so who experience was mind blowing? Now, in your episode, you were in two episodes: season six, episode one and two. Yeah, yeah. Which I did do my research and watch, you by did. the way, and they were great, and I enjoyed them. Big changes. They're huge changes for the Doctor. Huge. What most people don't realize is that Canton is a very, uh, very important catalyst in the change of the Doctor and what the Doctor becomes. Um, if you think of what the Doctor is when you're in Pish Fingers and Custard, do you guys need to leave? What's going on? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you think of what the Doctor is and was before, if you think pre-Pandoric, if you think mm. pre that era, mm-hmm. he's still a little bouncy and light he's still a bit more towards where Tennant is which was a much lighter doctor much lighter much you know and, and the look of the show was always much lighter and it still hadn't hit that mm. what are we doing here and there were touches of it we get Vincent Vincent the doctor yes. which is beautiful which is shot as Van Gogh mm-hmm. which is, let me take a series of Van Gogh paintings and do it and but Gaiman hadn't kicked in yet and the other stuff the other stuff hadn't kicked in yet and as we get towards the Traxi and that and those things towards the end of the season and then Pandorica what really changed was is that Toby came in and brought in Stefan Pearson mm. and Toby and Stefan are both like 30 years old so the DP mm-hmm. director of photography and the director are both young and they came in and went he goes well I need to bring my own DP and this was like heresy for right. the show the same guy had been there the entire time and it had that look and it was just the same and mm. everything was repeated I thought mm-hmm. although I loved Eccleston and, and Tennant's not a wonderful wonderful actor and very very important to the series but didn't ring to me as like the greatest thing I'd ever seen and it, and it, because it was to do with the look and the era of it they bring Matt in and I'm like what is this what is going on and it still hadn't clicked and it doesn't click until we get to the end of season 5 what he actually is 
and what he can be. Mm. And he's actually a heavyweight actor, which is what people don't realise. He's a, he's a serious stage actor. Mm. Way beyond his years. I mean, scary. And Arthur is as well. Arthur is a fantastic oh, actor. So, but these guys Arthur Darvel played Rory. Oh, okay. But these are, these are major West End right. actors. Mm. These are like what would be our Broadway... This yeah. is your, you know... Uh, F. Murray Abraham type, right. you know, it's like, yes. oh, really, an actor, you know? Yeah. Like, they are fantastic. They work together, you know. I think, I think Matt had done Swimming with Sharks. Mm. I mean, it's not exactly lightweight guys. And here he is as the Doctor, the youngest Doctor we've ever had. It's not exactly a lightweight role. In it Doctor. can be. Mm. It can mm. be because I always thought that a lot of the heavy stuff in Who was actually treated very lightly and mm. very, in a very camp manner. Right. And it was it was only a, it was only testament to some of the actors that they could bring any weight to it at all. Well, Tom was, Baker's era. Was, Tom, well, I started with Pertwee. Mm. Pertwee was my doctor, and then but Tom Baker was my favourite doctor yeah. because he became the coolest guy that you could watch, mm. and he had a he had a weight to him and a, and a ground yeah. tester. But the show wasn't good enough. No, the show wasn't good enough for him to carry that. Mm. He's better in Blackadder. Oh, yes. because the show was there to carry it. There's a, there's an honour to yeah. it, and I think the show caught up with Matt and I think the show caught up with Stephen and I think the show caught up with us and you can certainly I mean the, the cinematography in Impossible Astronaut is just well it's, it's also it's, it's the same cinematographer as the end of Pandorica yeah. same cinematographer in Christmas with Gambon mm. which is just I mean the thing's ice blue the whole episode yeah. is ice blue and it's mm. it's beautiful and so Michael Gambon is kind of an interesting act to follow right. yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> would you like to come and do Doctor Who I'm like, I offered the role. Wow. It's mind-blowing. Awesome. But, but if it wasn't for Supernatural, you, I wouldn't have been able to do it. Because you were working on... Because I was show. working on an episode. Mm. And I, I called Jim up and I went, can I... And he goes, I can't. Because the same thing, the turnaround. Right. He goes, we're doing episode... We were doing episode 10 or something. I can't remember. It was either, yeah, we're doing like 10. He goes, you're my turnaround. I've got a five-week turnaround right. on the show. And I don't have enough days. You're you're my Friday. You're actually yeah. the second yes. unit. yeah. And I'm like, I can't, I can't change the days. I'm like, so I called him back, so I can't do it. I was devastated. Well, tentatively, you know, tentatively, they didn't give up. I got a phone call the next morning. I mean, I was in tears, right. literally well, crying my eyes out, going, I just got off a Doctor Who and I can't do it. And normally they would just be like, oh, you can't do it? Okay, next. That's it. Yeah, England is like, well, go, tell go, me, go. sorry, we'll think about you again. It's right. like, you'll never think about you. Yeah. <laughs> But the next morning, I get a phone call from a producer in, in England. Yeah. Well, are you working now? I'm like, what do you mean now? But today? Like, it's Friday. Yeah. And I'm going, what do you mean now? I said, well, can you fly tomorrow? I'm like, yes. <laughs> and I said, yes. I'm not working right now. Because they, they did to the schedule and just flipped it. Right. So instead of the Utah stuff being at the beginning, they flipped the Utah stuff. They were willing to switch the production. Mm. And they wanted me to do it. And that's the way, the way it went. I was like, yes, but I didn't have permission from <laughs> So I said yes. And then I started getting these phone calls going, tell me he's on the plane. I'm like, <laughs> So I made a panic call to Sarah Gamble. And I was like, oh, she was hey, I've been calling Jim. Nobody was answering me at this point. I was like, please stop making phone calls. And I was like, I mean, Jim did every, everything he possibly could. Yeah. And I was like, uh, poor Jason in the office was like, um, I'm just giving you my information. Yeah. Yeah. And I had, a, I had a, uh, an agent say, uh, I have to legally give you my position as far as <laughs> I'm like, really? <laughs> I ended that relationship. Oh, um, you could walk away, but you'll probably never work for Warner Brothers again. And, like, and, then you're sitting and they kind of do a lot of TV shows. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not just that, but I didn't want to let down, let down the people that I work oh, with. Yeah. 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 It's been very good to me. So, so yeah. the joke is, 
it then becomes, what do I do? So I call Sarah. And then I'm like, I really screwed up, you've got to help me. And she said, what did you do? Great question. Yeah. And I said, this, 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 this. She goes, eh, it doesn't sound that bad. I'll call you back in an hour. Three hours later. Is <laughs> <laughs> my, the, is my phone had, working? I've had the show, lost the show. Yeah. Had the show, <laughs> lost the show. Yeah. Which is, I mean, how do you really just torture yourself? Right. And I got a phone call from Johnny Mack, our, our, our first AD, the ultimate first, first AD with Kevin. All right. Get in your fucking plane. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good intention. That one. That's That's exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Better not be late. Then they put then it together. I, I had to him. fly backwards and forwards. I flew, landed, worked. Flew, landed, worked. Right. First time I flew, I landed. Driver picks me up. We got flat on the motorway. I'm there changing the flat. <laughs> like, you don't have to. I'm like, yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm kind of Cardiff. We're done. But it was such a magic. It was such a magical experience. It was such an amazing experience. And then you know, I've been following what's been happening with it. So, so you filmed in Cardiff and in Utah. Cardiff and Utah. Mm. Oh, right. And you know, they were like, so when do you want to do the prosthetics? For, for the older you. And I went, why don't you call my dad? They're like, ooh, would he do it? I'm like, of course he'd do it, it's Doctor Who. I didn't even ask him. They're like, great. So I called him, I said, oh, you're doing Doctor Who? He goes, I'm doing what? Like, you serious? I said, yeah, you're playing the older me in Doctor Who. He goes, great. But then That's cool. we had the issues with, you know, we've got union issues, so yeah. we had to shoot in Utah, and then right. like, so we had to get a special waiver for, to, 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 to be able to work. Or didn't he end right. up calling himself to uh, explain how important it was because he was nearly on his deathbed and it could be the last time he got to work with yes, you. Yes, pretty much. It was, <laughs> it, was, it was like, so you're asking for a waiver, Morgan. <laughs> I don't know, am I asking? You're asking for a waiver. <laughs> I mean, if people are saying, like, seriously, we're going to beat up a you know, 75-year-old man right. over one episode of television <laughs> that he really wants to do. Mm. But no, it's it's... But it's a labour of love again. It's right. again a labour of love. And just, I mean, I think one of the special things with Who is, of course, you know, people like us, you know, it's always been in our life. And I know Peter Capaldi, who's, you know, just premiered as a new Doctor, he was president of the Doctor Who fan club when he was 14 no and was oh, writing really cool. letters. Apparently he was really annoying, always writing letters to... Well, he, and I was, he and I are of the same era. And, yeah. and, and yeah. We, we grew up with, you know, the Blue Beater out of Build Your Dalek books and mm. that'd be the coolest thing you could ever have would be to build a Dalek and have a Dalek and True. Mm. you know to be the doctor or to be for me I always wanted to be the master I never wanted to be the doctor yeah. <laughs> it tells you everything <laughs> but he's he's a fabulous actor I mean he's a fantastic actor I don't know I've, I've waited I'm not going to wait till I get home to watch everything I haven't watched it yet you so haven't seen the new no, one we can't we can't delve into that yeah but um, it's a tough act to follow. People don't. Everyone's like, "Oh, I don't like him." Oh, David Tennant. But that's and you're going. It's just resistance to change. Right. And it's part of the nature of being a Doctor Who fan. Well, is it's you, kind of part of the show that it changes every couple seasons. Yeah, so. which is you know something they established right but right back I, at the beginning when the first Doctor William Hartnell was. Yeah, that be, was exactly. Yeah, it was like, well, how, we've got this group show that's been really successful. How do we do keep, keep it going? going and hit on something that's why every, it's going 50 years later? Well, every doctor's been important for a different reason. As far as the show is concerned, every doctor's been a, a vital part of keeping it going, hmm. at least. But I think Matt, I think we'll realise a little later just how important Matt was because what, what they did is they injected, they injected a, a completely different thing into it. It, it became... The use of CGI became completely different in, in Matt Smith's era of Doctor Who. The use of colour, the use of... And the themes were darker because it's Moffat taking over. Yeah. And it's Moffat who really wants to do Sherlock. Yeah. Yes. 
putting as much into who as you could possibly cram into it and going and everybody go where are we going with this and to have to have neil ray the doctor's wife and and, and it's just amazing stuff all the tiktok all the all the the idea of the silence and, and this mm. this long form yeah. yes story which is rare because TV companies go, yeah, what happens if they can't watch that first episode? What are they going to do? Which is almost sure. going back yeah. to classic Who structure, which was right. five episodes over a, for a story. We had a great story, but yeah. because it was cheaper to shoot. Uh, right. Of course, yeah. Because you shoot the same, <laughs> shoot the same stuff the same stuff in the same Yeah. I mean, but that was when they moved. Right. You know, they actually bounced when you touched them. Yeah. yeah. But, but to watch what they did, to be, um, to be, you know, to have, to be able to utter the words, Doctor... Who mm-hmm. and have a bigger on the inside moment is a little rare. It's a very rare. It's very rare. Yes. Um, so I'm a companion. I am a companion. Mm, I've travelled on the TARDIS. Is that all it takes nowadays to be a companion? Just get in the TARDIS? Well, technically, yeah, but I've travelled on the TARDIS more than once. Mm. And I am. And, and you help the doctor. Also a companion. It also implies that we have a relationship. Yes. Oh. If I'm at his funeral, it implies yeah. we're in a relationship, does well, it not? There's only yeah. five people who can go there. Yeah, that makes I'm sense. one of them. Yeah. Um, what was the TARDIS like inside? Um, bigger on the inside. It depends on what you. It depends on what you're really asking. Was it just really a wooden ar- box that you got into? <laughs> well, that's, that's, see, that's the thing. Is that being a being a kid that watched Who? Yeah. Always watched. Who. I mean, that must have been a thrill for you, right? To of be able to get on the TARDIS. I mean, the first time I got in, got into the the clip together TARDIS that we had the, uh-huh. there, was when we were looking at um, Cape Canaveral, uh-huh. which is actually behind the bins. On a tiny piece of grass behind the bins, behind one of the stages in Cardiff, <laughs> <laughs> the grass was this big. Right. Yeah. It's like being in this room yeah. with the TARDIS on it. I'm like, okay, and a green screen. Right. But it's literally shot behind the bins. This is like as if we did it in the garden. Yeah. <laughs> right. Which is the throwback to the gym. and it yeah. looks amazing. It does. Look at the shot. You go, that's us looking at the rocket, <laughs> and I'm going, okay, we're committed. <laughs> All of us are inside the TARDIS. So my first experience of getting in is that there's, you know, there's a there's a there's a backdrop mm. in there, so you can see in. There's a photo right. realistic mm. shot in there, and you're like, and where? It's still yes. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm I'm just blanking this out of my mind. This right. doesn't exist. This doesn't exist right now. This is just a vessel. <laughs> because they they were taking down David's TARDIS at the time, and I wrote it. Uh-huh. So it was in the next mm-hmm. stage, and finally the the you know, Barrowman's favorite dragon is up there on the yeah. wall. Mm. So it's all it's connected to so the Torchwood tenant thing, and they're mm. taking down that. And there's a curtain because they were building the, the the sewers for the silence stuff where that, uh. where tenants was. So I saw it taken down. I was like, and then I was in ours, going, "This is really cool." Mm. And Matt took me for a tour. Mm. He told me he, I, he actually knew what every button and lever did. That was his thing. He actually was doing things that made sense to him. He's not just. Flipping stuff, he does this. If you watch again and again, he actually's mm. doing the right stuff. And he keep breaking stuff, which is really funny. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Phil, who, who looked like an absolute villain looking dude with a shaved head in, mm. his, in his 50s, and he said, All right, it's all right, Matt, I've got it. It's all right, Matt, I've got it. Piece of the sonic screwdriver goes. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Matt, I've got it. So, sorry, Phil. It's all right, Matt. The behavior was just fantastic. Yeah. So you just see standing there. Oh, I remember they asked me to begin the inside moment. They're like, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, this is really disturbing. I said, but you do realize that I'm not going into the room. And they're like, this is interesting. What, what are you doing? I said, well, 
I would never walk into this. I would like, is it not cool? Right. What is it? Because it's 1969. Yeah. And Canton works for branch of the government that, that they already had cell phones they're about this big <laughs> weird handle phone they had uh, a lot of interesting stuff going on with hallucinogenics and trying to get trying to kill foreign dignitaries and mess with people's okay. heads and do stuff so he works for that shadow so if you're working mm-hmm. for any part you're going to be going as someone intelligent human being what is this it's going to mean something a lot yeah. more in 69 than it did in 1880 yes. in 1880 it's, it's just, like, just what manner of magic is this yes <laughs> but, and uh, in 1980, you've got a very different yeah. Right. You're like thing. But when you're talking about 69, you're going, "Are they? Am I? Am I pumped full of drugs? Is this a complete hallucination?" Is it the Russians? Is it, what, is it <laughs> Russians? Is this us? Do we have yeah, this technology? Yeah, yeah. And that's, I think, Moffat was fascinated by 69 mm. as, as an era yeah. of us because of the space race mm. and everything else. And the paranoia which comes through oh. with the silence about this this thing that's after you that you that's can't always, see and can't remember. It's always been there. That's what makes it's, it so yes. depressing. Yeah. It was there before us. Yeah, <laughs> they're parasitic, but but. But we're doing their bidding. Oh, an yeah. awful feeling! I, mean, I don't think anybody liked the silence for that reason. Yeah. Whereas the Weeping Angels were great because they were straight baddies, straight creepy right. baddies. Yeah. You had you had to beat them. Yeah. The silence. There was no way to beat the silence, really. Yeah. And the idea of how to was rather genius. I thought that was terrifying. Yeah. yeah so there we are. They built the Oval Office, which was magic. And you know the the the, the set designer was also the set designer for Hawk the Slayer, which my dad was in. Oh, was oh really wow. Cool? Yeah, he's mm. an amazing guy. Um, just just people, you know, and the, the, the makeup and hair, hair ladies we had worked on with my dad on Treasure Island. <gasps> so, I mean, it's the same people working. It's a, it's a vocation there, mm. you know what I mean? Because they're not getting paid a lot of money, <laughs> trust me. But so that's the pinnacle of British television. Mm-hmm. And just the behavior was amazing, the set was amazing. So I'm in the TARDIS. And Matt's like, what are you doing? I said, I'm not coming. I'm like, yeah, this is, this is great. I don't know what this is. Right. He goes, I love it. I said, no. he says, I don't think anybody's ever done that. <laughs> I said, no, it makes sense to me. Mm. And he goes, no, it totally, he goes, totally makes sense because it fits the era. So I'm actually hiding behind the spa. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and which makes it funny that Rory's going, Rory, they're going, Rory, you explain it to him. Why? Because right. I'm new. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you're new. It's like, Okay, and so, and then there's this weird catch-up that goes on and on mm. and on through the next four scenes. Right. And then I'm coming out and going, so hold on, so you're saying <laughs> space and time, you're traveling through space and time, and what? Right, right now? Yeah. You know, and it's like as much as I can get from 1969 intelligence. Right. With Roy going, well, it kind of works this way. Yeah. Catch up. And then it, the finale of that, that's the beginning is, mm. I'm counting on no accounts following me into this blue box and close the door behind you, which is my favorite line. Yeah. And the end of that is... Oh, nice to have you back. Yeah. Back with us or whatever it is. It's like, yeah. Canton, you're back with us. The, love the wheels. <laughs> that's, the, that's the bookends. That's that whole section. Yeah. Work it out. And then I got it. Mm. Right. And I, it wasn't until I talked to Tony Lee. You know Tony Lee? I don't. Writer Tony Lee? No. Wonderful mm. writer. British writer. Writes who writes all sorts of stuff. Uh, great comic book writer. Mm. The Gloom mm. recently. did, But he, he writes a lot of things. Films and television. And Tony, him of the waistcoat, who I love dearly, said, you know, he, your character is the most Stephen of characters. It's <laughs> Moffat. And I'm like, really? He goes, yes, it's what Stephen would do if he was in the room. If you think of Stephen in 1969, if that's what... He's Canton. He's the second most intelligent man in the room for the reason being that he recognises that the Doctor is the most mm. intelligent man. In the room. Mm. He's the most interesting man in the room. Mm. So he's like, 
Well, everybody's going, shoot it! Which is, you know, the, the wonderful British analogue of, of American well, Psycho. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We have guns, shoot yeah. it! It's, it's not everything. It works that way, but it's <laughs> candy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I also have to point out, you can't point guns at the president, even if he comes out of a black box. You just cannot point no. at the president. If you're a Marine, you're like, yes. no. It's a commander in yeah. yeah. Oh, really? Like, no, you don't, you don't. Yeah. It doesn't happen. Um, actually, so... Karen Gillan fire a gun for the first time. She screamed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> really? Because it's something we do all the time. Mm, I mean, yeah. I'm soldier fortune if I'm 9,000 rounds a week. <laughs> and, you know, and you suddenly realise you don't do mm. a lot of that in England. It's like, because it's not a gun culture in any shape. Well, she got over that for Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, yeah, but that was fire first. I first saw her fire first shot. Just like, she's generally squealed like a girl. She's a very beautiful girl. She's a lovely, lovely human being. Truly, truly wonderful, wonderful people. It seems like all that cast is really... They sing to each other between shots. I mean, it was like, it was just fabulous. Sort of weird choral stuff. They're just gentle with each other. Which is not very like me. I'm a bit bombastic, and I, I want to have fun and be loud. I hardly ever hear you sing. No, we're not singing, but they're gently <laughs> like, 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 like well, they really love each other and care about each other, which That's is really, really cool. nice. You can tell they it treat, shows on, on screen. They treated me like gold. That's awesome. They treated me like gold, and I'm I'm a I'm a sort of an adult portion for them, because in England everybody's just pleased to be working and it's very sort of very, very polite, oh, and I'm loud and. Noxious <laughs> and asking for stuff and going, no, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> no, and you have to sort of temper it down because it, they thought it was funny. Uh, but I'm going, I have no idea what I'm doing. I know I'm here. Right. They knew I could act, so I got sort of got away with it. And they had a script with words and yeah, they had a script, a script with words. Um, but the, I, the, the greatest thing about all of that, I'm going to skip over something. But the greatest thing about all of that was, I get to adjust the bow tie of <laughs> any actor dressed or any person dressed as the Eleventh Doctor. <laughs> for the rest of my life right. I think it's the greatest thing in the world it's one of the most intimate I was mm. saying what Tony Lee was saying that's right and that's part of that thing is that Stephen it's, it's Stephen in the room it's Ste mm. everybody would shoot the guy and yeah. I'm like yeah, we can shoot him in a minute let's find out how the hell he got here right. yeah, yeah. Mm. what's he doing yes. how the hell did you get a boat and, and, and it's immediately the doctor going it's, it's cool isn't it mm. I'm like yeah it's cool so he's like yeah okay we've got to go but on no accounts, jump into this blue world. <laughs> behind me. And I'm like, yeah, I think yeah. I'm following him. Yeah. Because <laughs> cool, he's guy. the coolest man. Yeah. yeah. Go with the guy. Mm -hmm. And that becomes the journey. And then the mm -hmm. journey that I take with the doctor changes. I think it changes the doctor a lot. It sounds a bit pompous, but, mm -hmm. but I think it makes the doctor grow up quite a lot. The relationship that he has with Canton is mm -hmm. very, very different. The moment, the bow tie moment is the most yeah. intimate thing. It's, it, it's, it's a love scene in the weirdest way mm. because it's Canton has no FBI frills and there's nothing butch going on there at all. Yeah. And he's just, he's just, mm -hmm. what? Yeah. And he has no idea what he's doing. Mm. It's the most open and honest of mm. moments. And the response from the doctor is so personal. Yeah. It's just this amazing change in who he is. Everything got really quiet in that episode. Everything got—I mm. mean, for the manic stuff mm -hmm. that was going yes. on—everything got really personal. Mm. 
in the girl and in the, the, in the, the girl is. Yeah. In the last scene or, or in the last Just hour? in general. Yeah. It's like every time we interacted with stuff, it was huge. The stuff from Roy was oh, huge. Yeah. The stuff was, you know, the girl was the girl this. We were talking about, was she, was she pregnant? Was mm. she not pregnant? It's yeah. like it goes on and on. And it's this long form with so many things put in it. And it's just fascinating to be part of it. It's really, it was a very cool episodes. Uh, I mean, I haven't seen, I've seen only a handful of Who episodes. It could be interesting to start there, but if you were going it, to, it I'd, was a good, it was a good place to I'd start. I'd say no, I'd say start at Fish Fingers and Custard. Mm. You could, you I start. did, and I couldn't get, I couldn't get very far. I get why it's difficult. You have to love it, I guess, to get past some of the idiosyncrasies of it. Mm-hmm. Battlestar is different. You can jump into Battlestar because it just looks like something you want to jump into. And most people quit on Battlestar because they realize how heavy it is. Yes. yes. And it's like, much I've got to actually retain this information. Yeah. I've got to do it. Well, and I mean, yeah, battles, just to go on Battlestar for a moment, though, it also gives the audience, there's no safe space in Battlestar for you. There's every character you like. He's my favorite character. And then they go and kill everyone or Dead do or, something. Or they betray. Yeah, or, or yeah. Just, and and, and the you know the moral murkiness of it is. That's what it is. To is one. I know, and it's wonderful, but it's very. I actually have I, challenging. In Star, I have the most, a most absolutely rigorously honest character to play, and mm. everybody thinks he's a bad guy, mm. and he's the mm. one good guy yes. in the entire yes. set. He's the guy that goes if you mm. violate the rule. You're no better than the things that you're complaining about. Mm-hmm. You saying you're better than the machines? No. But if you throw him out of the airlock for something <laughs> you didn't do, mm-hmm. you're breaking the very rules that hold you together as a civilization. Right. And we know there's a civilization of 50, 51 billion people trying to play, apply rules to 50,000 that are left over. Mm. But you've got to have rules somewhere. And Romo is about what are the rules. Mm. I played Romo, Romo Lampkin. Romo, by the way, is short for Ron Moore. It's, it's, it's really yes. Angelis, pet name for Ron Moore. Mm. Who has to leave it alone? You gonna go? Go. Get out. <laughs> really? So they, they created it out of Ron Moore? Well, Romo. I'll, I'll, exp- I'll explain the story. Okay. Give me one second. Hey, see ya. I'll see ya. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Squeeze Jensen for me. Say hi, Jensen. <laughs> so Ron Moore, the fascinating thing was is that I was friends with, with uh, Javier Christian Marxwatch, who's one of my dearest friends, creator of oh, the middle man. Really true. And you were in Middleman. What? You were in Middleman. Yeah, I was in the. Yeah. I, was, I was actually in the book, as well, which was the fun. How do you part. get in the book? <laughs> it's a comic book, a graphic novel. Yeah. Oh, and they yeah. drew you. It's me. Yeah. Is it Mark Shepard or is it the character you play? Yeah, it's Manservant Neville. Mm. It's spelt Manservant Neville, right. but if your name was Manservant, you would pronounce it Manservant. Right. And like correct Sinjin. everyone. Yeah. Yogi Sinjin. was always Sinjin. like Sinjin. Yeah. <laughs> so it was me in a gorilla suit with two mm. Tommy guns, mm. <laughs> and it was me and me and Hav walking through Comic-Con years after, year after year after year after year and he sold the graphic novel mm-hmm. and he's like can I put you in the guy I'm like sure he was oh great so it's me oh cool so Les McLean actually drew me I'm like cool and then when it came to the series so I'm, I'm with him every year we're walking around every year and he's watching I guess my fame grow become harder and harder mm-hmm. for us to walk around mm-hmm. which is fun so he'd film people realising who I was and stuff. it was just a great giggle so and then he sold Middleman to ABC Family, mm. Mm. And, it, and so the joke was, as he goes to ABC Family, so it's great. And then Mark is then Servant Neville, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, no, he's fabulous, great. Can we get, you know, can we get so and so to play instead?" <laughs> <laughs> like, let's let's get like, a Mark Shepard type. No, 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 no. <laughs> like, can we get Alan Cumming? Can we get? And I'm like, and he's like, I love Alan Cumming, he's wonderful. 
He said, yeah, but it's, it's, it's Mark. That's <laughs> him. I wrote it for him. And, and, and Harv is, is, you know, no mean slouch when it comes to intelligence oh, and, no. and ability to push people around. And he's, he wrote this most amazing letter that he shared with me about his explanations about, about the people that have tra- entrusted me with roles over the years, from Josh to, to Ron Moore to right. everybody else. He's like, I think maybe it'd be a good idea to let him play. <laughs> and they eventually sort of acquiesced and let me do it. Same problem I had with Leverage. All right. I was written as the Mark Shepherd. The Mark Shepherd. I had no idea. I was just offered the role. It was right. one of those things. And, and you know, these are the these are the best people I know. These are the most wonderful people I know. The the writers and creators. Most of my friends are, are the writers and creators of wonderful work. So Javier introduced me to Narain Shankar. Narain Shankar said, "You and Ron Moore will get on great." And Ron and I got on great. And uh, Narain Shankar ran CSI for eleven mm. years, or ten years, or whatever it was. Mm. But, but you know, that was work. That's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. But we watched my episode of CSI in his screening room in his house oh, cool. the week before he got the job oh. at CSI, which oh, is wow. really weird. So there's this odd catalyst. Oh. Jerry Stahl had written my episode as well, because he better. Mm. Remember Jerry? Mm. Permanent Midnight, yeah. Jerry Stahl, Alf. Mm. Yeah. Shooting heroin and writing Alf. <laughs> <laughs> he, wrote, he wrote an episode about body dysmorphic disorder. Mm-hmm. And, the, and I was the manager of a, of a, of a model. And guess who the model was played by? Mm. Trisha Helfer. Oh, right. So it's like the most, it's all connected. Trisha mm. was dating Nathan Fillion at the time. Mm. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it was like, it was mind blowingly, convolutedly connected. But the, the writers, these amazing writers, so you've got Amy Berg and John Rogers, mm. and all these people that I intersect with, and I've introduced a lot of them to each other, which is kind of fabulous too, to, to be a sort of catalyst for yeah. great minds coming together. Totally. They are fantastic people. Yeah. And I work for Joss, and yeah. they're all great, they're all really amazing. Um, but and they tend to write and push for me, which is a, which is a blessing and a curse. Because as a curse, you've got to actually show up and do it really, really well. Yeah. You made it for you. Give it a go. Yeah. Yes, made for you. And 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 so it brings you back around to, to Battlestar. And what it was was I was originally going to play one of the one of the um, one of one of the other characters, one of the other main characters, and it. I wasn't available. I didn't know I wasn't available because I was never asked. Yeah. It was it was worked out, but it was done behind me, and they didn't want to hurt my feelings. And so Ron never told me mm. that they didn't want. No, but it was a great role, and I was when I found out, I was really upset. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to Ron. I was doing medium or something, and Ron goes, "I shut up at Ron's house." He said, "I need something fixed on my my internet. Can you come down?" I was like, "Sure." Oh, you fix everyone's fix everybody's computers. Oh, good. Oh, because nobody wants to take their stuff to an Apple store because they've got their scripts on it and their oh. deals and stuff. They run a meet and they don't care. No, they write porn. Geek porn. But no, it's just like you know. So, so, so if I get a phone call at three o'clock in the morning from David Icke, I don't know if it's a series or whether he's lost his access code. Which is amazingly humbling. Which I love about him too, because he trusts me with either. Right. So yeah. that's the point, that's and that's the wonderful thing. But it brings you down to the right size. So, Ron, I'm in Ron's kitchen. I'm like fixing something, and he said, "Oh, I have something for you." And he goes, "Oh no, I have something for you." I said, "What?" He goes, three episodes of Battlestar." I'm like, "What?" And he goes, "Yeah, I think you'll like it." I don't think it's anything you've done before. Mm-hmm. And my phone starts ringing. And it's my agent. So I'm like, yeah, I'm in Ron's kitchen. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, he goes, take it, have a look. See what you think. And I picked this up and this first script was just 
amazing. I mean, it was 20, I think 27 pages of mm. dialogue. Jesus. And I'm like, holy crap. And Angela, who wrote it, under, you know, I guess under Ron's auspices, I'd never met Michelangelo. Michelangelo was, a, was an editor at, I think, Esquire back in the day. Mm. I think he wrote Roseanne's biography. He's an amazing writer. I mean, just a really interesting man. And he's uh, middle America, Italian. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a brilliant, brilliant wit. Great, fast, fast man. Wonderful writer. And I think he told me that Ron was like, he'd write something and Ron would go, do more. Mark can do more, do more. Give him more. Just give him more. Mm. Just go for it. Keep going for it. Keep going for it. Mm. And his was the glasses thing, which is actually, yeah. he always wears glasses, dark glasses. And Romo is Ron Moore, his pet name for Ron Moore. And I read this thing and I was, I was blown away and I was terrified as well because it was so, so huge. And then yeah. I went to do the, I went up there to do a table read and I realized that all these people looking at me going, how the hell did you get this role? This is huge. I mean, this is a massive big deal. In season three of a series that's been on that they all work together, nobody Mm. comes in and does one-offs and gets away with it. All the one-offs didn't really work that Mm. well. The one-off characters that came in, they didn't really sit great. And I'm watching the show, I love the show. And I'm like, okay, I'm in the deep end. This is like, help yourself. So I did the table read as an episode. I mean, I went as far for it as I could possibly go. And Eddie's just sitting there going, now I know what we got and uh, he took me out for dinner we went out for a six hour dinner me and Eddie and we talked about life and love and shared cheese soup (laughs) amazing human being and his voice is in this register Mm -hmm. here Mm -hmm. so the two of us the two oldest people in Vancouver waterfront restaurant It's just, it was just the most magical start to what I was doing. And then the first scene I did is the cat, and he decides to sit behind me and upstage me. And right. It's magic. And he hates the cat. He's like, why do we need mm. the cat? The cat's stupid. And he's right, the cat was stupid. <laughs> but it was a way of tying the humanity and, yeah. the, and the story back together again. And we made it work. But those first speeches, the first speech is about fear, and it's an extraordinary speech. And some of it was cut. You know, and then we move forward, and then we get the scene with the six, which is one of my favourite things mm. I ever got to participate mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. And somebody once asked me, "Go, do you, do you improvise on that show?" I'm like, I, I need to explain. Yeah. I took the script, picked up the sun was rising, I picked up the script, and I said, "Let me just read you some of the action lines in this mm. scene." You know, I said, "You know the six scenes?" Yeah. Writer goes, "Yes, I have a scene." And I'm like, "Great, let me just read you something." And it's like my speech is just <laughs> pouring through. Right. It's like this, yeah. and then something more right. and then something and then more. it's like holy crap I, I love the woman the, the beautiful woman frowning face trapped daisy frowning face trapped in the middle of daisy mm. I mean it's just amazing stuff to write and it's just so sad and you're reading and you go and then this action line goes Lee looks up but not the six at Romo who removes his glasses for the first time revealing eyes so exquisitely human as to require the veiling or unveiling of will oh <laughs> alright okay oh look like that how am I going to do that yeah. <laughs> yeah. so, so you, know, you, know me, you know me well enough Not to go like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> what bag of tricks is this one? <laughs> and I remember looking at it going looking, finally looking at it and I take the glasses off and put the glasses in that's the first time you see my eyes yeah. and I went 
Uh, okay, I think I, I pulled off tired at least, weary. <laughs> and it's so scary to think of that's what you're being entrusted with. Mm. And the idea is that at the beginning of that scene, she's the witness for the prosecution, mm. who has been the witness for the defence. Now she's the witness for the prosecution, talking to defence counsel. Defence counsel saying, what is love? Mm. Let's talk about love. You're a machine, let's talk about love. And at the end of that speech is, I love, I mean, just to have the idea of they're all watching from behind a piece of glass, mm. see how their lives are going to turn out. Mm -hmm. And this weird thing comes into the life and starts messing with things mm -hmm. and touching the glass and pushing things mm -hmm. and talking about stuff that they don't talk about, they don't want to talk mm. about. And saying, look, you know, I was hired to do this. You're not going to get a trial. Not even, you're not going to get a trial. You know, not even a bad one. You're not going to get a trial. So knowing all of this, I have to ask you, does your love hurt as much as mine? <laughs> Who says that on television? Yeah. <laughs> so, to a robot. Well, it's it's, but it's, it's magical yeah. stuff to say. Yeah. And the, the great joke was is that Angeli had written, rewritten the end, and I never got the pages. So I'm on the set, and I barely know Michael. Barely know him. And he's a little guy, yeah. and he's feisty as, not, you know, no right. way of putting it. You mess with me, I'll punch you in the face. Yeah. But I'm like, and they, they said, no, no, what happened to the other line? I'm like, another line? What, what you, you can't change this line. And he's like, and get, they give me the pages, and it's like, you know, second set of pages. And I'm like, I'm going, this is terrible. And he's like, <laughs> excuse me? I'm like, you've just written the best final line in a scene that I have ever read, and you're going to F it up by adding something to it? And he doesn't know me. He's an executive <laughs> producer. And he's going, really? Yeah, well, tell, all right, me tell me more. And I'm like, I, I think it's stupid. I, th I think it's stupid. I said, I think he'd written the best possible line. And he goes, all right, <laughs> fine. And he's just, he decides to go with it. And it kept, I mean, talk about how it worked. And it was so important to me, but it was so important to me that that, that happened. And he, he so understood that I wasn't interested in furthering myself. I just cared about right. the character. Mm. You're, you're cutting then, your line. And the, it just became, this, we had this little, you know, we had a little love affair with Roma. Huh? And the stuff I got to say in that episode is mind-blowing. Yeah. And the stuff that was cut out of the trial that you get on the DVDs, mm. you know, that opening scene where, I love it, Jamie Bamber's got it's a microphone like this, and if you have a microphone like this, what's the first thing you do? So, yeah. Uh, plead the fifth. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's always going to go to the mafia trial, right? Yeah. Because it's, I mean, and, and yeah. for Jamie to have that same thing, as he yeah. goes like, so he goes, you know he's guilty, right? <laughs> <laughs> and there's me in my pajamas with a cane and glasses on in the gallery on my own on on the deck, going guilty is something treason. No. And that's that. Oh, you find that on the DVD set or the, um, the Blu-ray set. That scene is deleted. It's fantastic oh, cool. because it explains what he's guilty of is breaking with the royal family, uh -huh. and it's proving the fact that I cannot win unless I get him to explain to mm. his people why they're wrong. I can do anything I want, but they're not going to listen to me. Right. I can just set the scene, and he has to be the one that delivers. The delivers the we need to stop has to be the lesson. Gotcha. We need to stop. Because yeah. it's the anger and the fervor for everything that happened on Caprica, for everything that you knew Caprica, everything yeah. that happened 
everything that went on, the punishment that they want to meet out on this this idiot, this idiot, because he's an idiot. Mm. Baltar's an idiot. He's not, because treason requires intent. That was the entire mm. purpose of this. I remember us having debates, a two-week debate, <laughs> two weeks, on how the hell I dismiss Gator's testimony. <laughs> Because we know we have the dog and we have mm. the bowl and we know he helped. So as, as an audience, we know he was working with the resistance, mm. right? And he lies. And he lies completely. He said, I saw Baltar sign. I did it. Mm. He says the whole thing. And it's a lie. And we know it's a lie. So for two weeks, it jumped in and out of the script. We're getting ready to do this huge, epic two-part you know, piece. Mm. And it, it was like, did we do a montage? Is there a montage of all the people that say, you know, no. the resistance? Mm -hmm. And it went on. And you know what the final concept was? I think it was, I don't know if it was me or me, a combination of myself and Ron and Michael, Michael and everybody else went, I went, why would, it, why would I continue to question it? Mm. Mm. So it becomes, he comes up and he lies and I walk and he lies in examination and I come up to cross examine with the cane and I come up and I go, and I go no further questions. And it's the whole yeah. thing. <laughs> you suddenly had two weeks of incredible <laughs> debate. comes down to this. Yeah. <laughs> which is the same and echoes the beginning which is the first, all these trial lawyers every trial lawyer that watches Battlestar goes like it's the greatest line ever I'd like to change my client's plea to guilty and everyone goes huh? is it, are you sure? no but what else can I do? Mm. It's like if you could just do that in a court, <laughs> it's not legal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's like it's absolutely what they, everyone has ever right. wanted to say. It's like, what's the point? You know, you, you, you want to kill him anyway. Yes. You know, and they're like, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I remember the first time I'm working with Colonel Ty. Right? Oh, so there's yes. Michael, who I love, Michael Hogan, who I love dearly. And there he is on the stand, and I, I look at him with the reverence of you know Robert Shaw in Jaws, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is the best. I think it's the best Robert Shaw in Jaws performance I've ever seen. Yeah. Half of Robert Shaw in Jaws, right. and uh, there's Hogan on the stand, and, and he's being examined. And then of course I step up to cross-examine him, and his first line <laughs> to me is, "You fracking son of a bitch!" <laughs> <laughs> and I just went, "Another <laughs> take," and I'm all going, and, uh, and I say to him, "I ask a question about his wife," and he's like, "Yeah." And I'm like, I'm sorry. Yeah. I just realized where I am. And yeah. I just took me a minute to realize where I was. Then start laughing. You got to remember, we do all this. We did, did the court scenes. And there's 150 people sitting on those bleachers the entire time. Mm. Four cameras. Hundred, Four cameras. Yeah. Tamo, oh, Mary, sure. everybody yeah. sitting there. Yeah. Supporting. Same as same as supernatural. Mm. Same same thing. Whatever it takes to make the best thing we right. can make. Right. And that's where I've been lucky. Firefly. You know, it's it's X Files. I was there. The, the show wasn't a series when I, was, when I did the episode. It was up really? Chris was Chris was uh, Chris had written it. Yeah. And Larry Shaw directed it. Who I love, Larry. He's part of that same group of uh, Spicer and. and Bowman and all those guys that uh, were insert crew for Kim Manners. Oh, very cool. And I worked with Kim after that, and that's that's how we connect back to Supernatural. My first day of shooting on Supernatural, um, Phil Scripture brought me a pin with a kick in the ass pin. He goes, oh. you, he goes you, know, you knew Kim well. Yeah. We want you to have this. Oh, sweet. I was like, wow, wow. It's actually on my Battlestar jacket. So you, you started on Supernatural after Kim? Yeah. yeah. I was actually working with Kelly, his brother. Oh. Huh? 
on Dollhouse. Oh, right. And I had a message from Dean Devlin for Kelly to come to Leverage, which mm. I was also on. Mm. So I, my job is to, I guess, put people together or whatever. So <laughs> Dean's like, tell Kelly I need him for season I'm like, okay. So I show up and I'm like, send my love to Kim. And he's like, you don't know, do you? Mm. And I'm like, oh, don't know what. He goes, he's in there. We're on Fox. And he goes, he's up in the hotel. I'm like, oh, crap. He goes, you want to see him? And I said, I don't know if he would be comfortable with me seeing him like this. Yeah. He goes, good point. He goes, mm. I said, you know, I've, I've had, I had so much time with him. We would sit in the Gerard and just talk film and whatever director he had up there, you know, and the man would sit around a table. I don't drink. I haven't drank in a very long time. So if I'm in the Gerard bar at the Sutton Place, I'm holding the table and my friends would come and then we'd fill the table mm. up. But Kim always sat at the same table. So if it was empty, I'd sit there. And when he came in, I'd give him his table. It was just like a fun, because yeah, I worked yeah. with him. I worked with him on Mantis, mm. I worked with him before. I just love him. He says a grumpy bastard. <laughs> really, really difficult. But I truly suffered no fools whatsoever. Okay. Suffered not a single fool in, in, in the world. But, but just fascinating. Fascinating man. And he loved Supernatural. I mean, he loved it. Because so I'm sitting there with him over the years. Yeah. And he's going, you've got to come do the show. The boys are great. And he's telling <laughs> yeah. all the stories of, of just how they are and how they behave. Yeah. And I knew how badly he'd behaved over the years. So for him <laughs> to say... That he's working with, with guys and they're just magic and mm. they're just they're magic and magic and magic. And then he, you know, I was with Kelly and Kim passed. And Crowley comes up and I'm like, it was an audition. Mm. Mm. I'm like, Ben wrote it. Right. I work with Ben. I yeah. love Ben. Yeah. Yeah. Ben's like my favourite person right. on the planet. Right. You know where you are. Or right? on any planet. <laughs> you know where you are? No. I don't know, I know when people treat him as though He's the least odd person I know. He's mm -hmm. the most honest, upfront. There's only one thing strange about him. He'll always laugh before you do just in case you don't get it. He'll try to make you comfortable by laughing oh. at his own idiosyncrasies yeah. before you do, oh. just in case you're uncomfortable. Right. Which is a lovely, I think is a mm. lovely and kind thing to do. The man created the tick for God's yeah. sake. <laughs> Let's remember in whose presence we really are. <laughs> <laughs> Wrote the French mistake, created the tick. And no, Crowley yeah. is his. Crowley yeah. is his little, his little toy. Oh, That's right. his thing. And you, you saw know, the audition. I, and there were people there that I knew that were up for it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, I really want to do this. I don't know why I really want to do it. Mm. I think Kripke was talking about stuff recently in the, in the Oh, the retrospective thing, yeah. Oh. And he was like, it was never supposed to be a recurring character. Mm -hmm. It was never supposed to be. Crowley was never really supposed to be a, a, a permanent thing, you know? I used to call Kripke and oh. ask him where we were going and what we were doing. Right. And it's just fascinating to talk. I just like him. I just mm -hmm. like him to talk to. He's a great guy. And that, for me, luckily transferred to Bob and to Jeremy, you know, to who I trust wholeheartedly trust this is fantastic people Phil Scritcher Phil directed my first episode I'm kissing El Harvey Gold under a <laughs> poor bastard couldn't hit a mark in his life <laughs> Phil was just giggling the entire time right. <laughs> smiling giggling guy the kiss lasted a very long time it was just kissing it was as I said it was really boring it was like kissing a piece of paper grabbing the back of his clammy wet sweaty head I was like ah I called my wife and said like oh my gosh she goes now you understand dating <laughs> <laughs> um, 
and another thing Supernatural and Who have in common too with Supernatural now is apart being... From me. Apart from you, uh, is being so long-running. I mean, Supernatural now up for 200 episodes, which is incredible. And what do you think it is about the stories that connect with people so much? About Supernatural? Well, both Who and Supernatural, which are... Well, it's a different thing. No, it's they're very different. different. I mean, a lot of Who is because it's generational. Who is generational? Mm. I don't think Supernatural... I think Supernatural isn't really generational it's, yet. It's becoming generational. Yes. Mm. But, but Who is is three generations. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's a massive difference of anything. There was mm. no other show like it. But it didn't run for 50 years. Let's, no. let's be realistic here. It's not yes. 22 episodes a year for 50 years. No. You know, it's... it's thank God that, that somebody carried the torch. Yeah. But without Russell... I mean, it was dead, mm. and Russell brought it back yeah. to life, mm. which is fantastic. And I think Stephen took it to a, a place that, that nobody else has taken mm. it to. And that's what makes it fantastic. With Supernatural, then the, the I guess the, then the parallel will be, um, you know, it started as, as the buddy show, the boys' buddy show, road trip buddy show. And then it got into, with Monsters of the Week, and, mm. and then it got into a different area. You know, and there was some... There were some rougher years than others. I'm not. I don't know. There's some great episodes in every year, but but you know, three and four I wasn't as enamoured by. Mm. I guess mm. I come in the middle of five, and that was at the end of the arc. It was. Mm. Um, it was the build to the end of a story, which yeah. is brilliant. And Crook, you know exactly what the hell he was doing. He's a smart man. He's always been a smart man, and and they put me in as this sort of weird catalyst to bring him to death, to bring them in mm. as this sort of middleman guy that wants to be doing more than he really right. is which is just a great way to play so, yeah. so there's death off you yeah. go yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I wash my hands um, and it becomes this and, that, and it takes to that point and then, then it's now Sarah's daunting task the how the hell yeah. do you reboot after the end of a story yeah. and I think she did an amazing job she kept her interest six was 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 good. There were some great episodes in six. Mm. Amazing episodes in six, of course. Yeah. I think French Mistake is in six. Yeah. It? yeah. yeah. Um, Which is one of, one of I think's probably my favorite. I'm just jealous I wasn't in it. Yeah. <laughs> but, but seven, seven is harder because you're still you still you steer the big cruise ship round into this area, and then where do you go, you go now? Yeah. You're trying to make the big bads work now, and I think she did an amazing job of getting us to that point. Mm. But as Jeremy, I think Jeremy would definitely concede that eight I mean it's a gift mm. great I can go back to angels and demons yeah. I can go back to what it started with yeah. and this is the parallel of why you're saying why is it so popular yeah. as you go because we just we started again in eight right. yeah we started again in eight with smarter wiser boys mm. bigger badder better baddies mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. huge conflict yeah um, amazing special effects I'm not just saying that because it changed very much so in the last two, three years. It's been very, very different. The way we've been moving towards, um, not effects heavy, but effects integral. Yes. Mm. Mm. Not effects heavy, in effects integral. Effects are now an integral part of story. Yes. yes. And to watch like Bob embrace that yes. at a level. I mean, me cutting my own head off right. <laughs> was the yes. beginning of that, <laughs> was the beginning of that change. Mm. I think very much so. Yeah. That that era of, of episodes that, that was Ivan was, was doing that back then. Ivan was still doing that. Yeah, he was. Was that seven? Was that seven? And but it was that change that we were going. It's not just a thing you put on top of it. It has to be part of it. Mm. In order to have this world be as big as it is, we need to integrate this to right. make it work. And I think it was great that Mark and and, and, and Ryan, everybody else, were 
I, I kept hearing over and over again, it was like, yeah, we can do that. Yeah, we can do that. And that was the most positive step forward in the show at that point, is that nothing was an issue. It can be done, this is how we do it. This is how we done it. If we do this, then we can do this. And the show started to get cleverer and cleverer. And then you saw the smoke. So the Mrs. Trans, oh, Mrs. Yes. Trans smoke, that's something we'd never done before. No. And, and well, not to that extent. No, and, it, and to me, it looks like Lichtenstein's uh, red brushstroke, right. which because it has the land yeah. to make things with gradiated between the grey and the red that's in it, yeah. and to make it three dimensional across itself yeah. was when you yes. start going it's beautiful and seeing it yeah. all oh. in one shot. And that would have been we we've never done before. Right. Which would have been which would have been a dragon or, or a serpent. Yes, that yes. was a serpent or a dragon moving. Mm. Yeah. That would be the analog for it. You go okay, so that in a big giant snake movie, that's the shot you would have had to have done to make the snake move through. Most likely, the yeah, air or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and it wasn't done that way. It was done to convey a truly supernatural event mm. uh, about a character that you cared about what was happening to her this little little lady that you loved yes. right. being something and actually that big loop came yeah. because that's that's Crowley's fuck you yeah, yeah. that's yeah. Crowley yeah. saying yeah. fuck you I can, I'm do, I can do whatever I'm out of here yeah that's what that's about sure. which, which, and that was what was discussed but, right? but, but you care as much about that you care as much about the creation of that as you right. do about the pixels. The pixels are just the delivery right. system by right. which you get the idea across. Yes, yes. You, you need know, to tell a story. It has to yes. tell a story. Absolutely. Yeah. And Jeremy is very much the custodian. Jeremy is very much the custodian of whether that's working or not. Bob has a, the other angle to it, which is fantastic. Right. Phil is exactly the same because right. now you've got you've got writer, executor. Right. And post-production guy, mm. three huge forces. Right. I'm not talking about. There's plenty of other people as well. We're talking yeah, about Adam and everybody. We're talking about sure. a massive, yeah. massive input. That's not. I'm not knocking anybody. Yeah. But I'm saying if you think of that, yeah. that structure right now, is that Jeremy has to make the right some writing decisions mm -hmm. with his amazing team and yeah. his collaborators. With, you know. And then you've got Bob, who is the catalyst of how it can be directed. I guess really yeah. how the realization. Which is the and how to run the run yes. the show and how to run mm. that in that way the yeah. practicalities of it yes and then you suddenly get and then of course Jim yeah. and, and then, sure. everybody orbits and then to have Phil go in post and now yeah. go fix it yeah <laughs> or or you know what um, here's how we can tweak it and change what's being said to tell a bigger story because yeah. he still cares as much about the story absolutely. as Jeremy does yeah. Yeah. absolutely you used to have post guys I've worked on series with post guys with nothing more than than technical guys mm. and and and. Directors were nothing more than people who just moved a camera and put it somewhere. Yeah. The, the concepts that people argue about, this doesn't work for this character, this doesn't work for our story. You know? Yeah. Very unselfish actors, very unselfish. And, and unselfish crew as mm -hmm. well. They'll really. End of season eight, greatest yeah. example. You were there. Well, end of yeah. season nine, I was going to say, when Crowley puts the blade into Dean's dead hand. You remember on the day when yeah. he had tracking markers on his yeah. arm because. It was going to light up the veins and go up to the mark of Cain. And we did it, and it looks really cool. But then Jeremy called and was like, you know what? I don't. I think we should skip that and leave that part out because it tips the hat to Dean coming back to life yeah. as a demon. Uh, that something Even though happen. we know, no, we don't, don't want to know then. Exactly. Yes. Even though exactly. we know, that's really what it is. I can yes. hear it in him. Yeah. I can hear what he's saying. Mm -hmm. He goes, like, yeah, 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 we know it's coming. Yeah. We want it to be coming, but you're yeah. killing the anticipation. Yeah. Yeah. You're, yeah, and you're tipping your hand saying, no, mm -hmm. oh shit, magic is happening. Well, you know how hard it was to structure, you, you were there, mm -hmm. so you know how hard it was for me to structure with Tom mm -hmm. how we move across that room. Was it going to be the couch? Mm -hmm. Remember we started that, mm -hmm. and he said, look, I have an image of silhouette in the door. Mm -hmm. The guy said, great, that's not a problem. It's a great starting point yeah, for me. Perfect, yeah. I, I appear silhouetted in the door. I enter the room. Right. 
And, he goes, and, and that's what he, as a director, he's going, that's what, that's what brings me in. Mm. Bring me into the room. Okay, now what do you want to do? It's really yeah. Yeah. because he's that yes. respectful and that he's like, I can accommodate almost anything. Exactly. Where do you want to go? Do you have a strong opinion? Yes. And I'm like, and I originally thought the couch because if you just I'm sitting in the couch in the dark, it's kind of fascinating. Yeah. And then I went to the Lincoln Memorial because then it ends up being, you know, mm. which is Crowley's version of the Lincoln Memorial, yeah. right? and it's the speech is, you know, a fay with with. With the Lincoln Memorial, I mean, it's like there is a parallel there. So if you really look, you can you can work that one out for yourself. I won't give it away, but if you, but it was in three stages, and we had three stages of a speech. And the first stage of the speech is, I'm sorry, I'm sorry that you died. I need to explain. This is my eulogy for you. And then the second stage is getting up and walking to the bed, while still. And it's like, oh my God, he's going to rescue him. So the audience is, he's going to save him, he's going to save him, he's going to mm. save him. And then the third part of the speech is, you suddenly realise all the parts before that is he's going, I always knew mm. this was going to happen. Right, yeah. So this is all when we go plan. do the thing that we're going to do, yeah. why don't we just go do it? Yeah. You know, and that's mind blowing to me that we had the time and the ability to do that. Of course, the one time he popped up early and I didn't crap my pants. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but everybody's there to help me hit the home run. That's the point. We st we established that in in eight mm -hmm. season the end of season mm -hmm. eight. Three days in that room. Three days. Oh, with you room. and Jared, yeah. And filter done. I mean, it's like, oh, let's yeah. go back. I mean, we go back to, it starts with the fight right. stuff. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. So we're going from light. Yes. And yeah, bam, yeah. bam, yeah. bam. And those multiple hits, which is still messing around like right. <laughs> Beat yeah. the shit out of him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> More. Because yeah. you really want to, it's like, right. you know, oh, show yeah. who she is. Yeah. I mean, beat the crap out of me. Mm -hmm. So it's bang, bang, bang. And she's talking and just eh, letting it all out. And that goes into what it is to be human, mm. what it is, the HBO speech. Oh, which I, I can I know which writers have little bits because yeah. you work out who does who yes. and you know in all all pulled together by Jeremy all mm. strung together by Jeremy is yeah let's see and I you know the crew didn't make a sound didn't make a sound for six hours on that last day they didn't make a sound they didn't talk they didn't look at phones if they did they went off to do it. Not one second on that set did they make it. You remember, it was the most extraordinary it was time. Mm -hmm. It was but, a big scene. But people just going, mm. you know, I did that. I did the, the blowout scene. The last bit of fun we had was me singing Bowie. And that was the last mm -hmm. time we had fun. And then after that, it was like heavy, 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 heavy. Mm -hmm. And Jensen was off camera for like five, six hours. Mm -hmm. Jared, every time. I mean, we'd crack up. Right. Yeah, you're my Marnie Moose. Right. <laughs> right. What? It's like, it's like, what? what? <laughs> that was only one of my favorite lines. Really what? 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 <laughs> what? <laughs> Which is really hard to do. Yeah. You think about it? It's yeah. like, it's, uh. But, you know, everybody, uh, Dolly, Dave, everybody just sitting there just going. 
we're, we're, we're doing, we're making something together, you know? And everyone's on board, paying oh. attention, appreciating Nobody's what's like, happening. oh, sorry I didn't get that. Yeah. They know that oh, it's right. got to go into the camera and it's yeah. got to be right, it's got to be in focus and it's got to be perfect. Yeah. And so you've got every person that you work with on a daily basis, that you mess around with on a daily basis, sure. giving you their A game because they're like, yeah, let's, let's put this away the Absolutely. way it's supposed to be put away. Yeah. And then on top of that, you've got angels falling out of the sky. And on top of that, you've got yeah. Metatron. And on top of that, you've got Castor. And on top of that, you've got the other side. And you're going like, yeah, not a bad end to a season. Top that, bastards. Yeah. Yeah. And then nine. Season nine. And nine is weird because I like it. I really like it. I like it because it's me. You get, get the last line. I get a Did you get the first line of season nine? I don't know. I can't tell anybody yet. No. I do. Uh, no, 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 nine. Nine. No, nine. no, you don't know. Nine? nine. No. No. no, no, he's Jared in Jackson, the boot uh, of the car. Yeah. But <laughs> oh, right, yeah, he's going to talk for the first three episodes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I, I, I'm there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the great, yeah, the great thing about the end of nine is, so I'm in Australia, and that girl, I see the girl with the tattoo, which yeah, I, was, I, was I just got it again this morning. Yes, yeah, so I just saw you retweet it. Uh, mind blowing I have to send it to Jeremy I just got it again this morning right. and it's three days after it airs the girl has let's go take a howl of that moon on the back of on the back of her calf okay. and it's beautifully it's done it's a gorgeous art it's Isn't really it? cool. oh. I have I'll show you a picture yeah. of it. but it's I told Jeremy he's like what yeah. I'm like yes yeah. dude it's a fabulous line mm. I get the most amazing lines on the show. Mm -hmm. No one in the history of torture has been tortured. How long does it take you to get that? I'm like, not long. No, that was the question yesterday. <laughs> yeah, how long did it take you to say it? <laughs> um, my favorite was you're tied up doing the blood bowl talking with Abaddon. Yeah. And, just a question and she hangs up. Yes. I think she hangs up and you're like, you. I, I don't know what, what the scan, <laughs> scanner... Uh, Skank? No, it was it was a very Skanger. 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 I've never heard that before. <laughs> Skanger. Do you remember that scene? Old English. It's like you so and so so and so Skanger. Yeah. Was, was, remember? It's uh, an old English expression. Yeah. Which I didn't know. It's I'd probably filthy. <laughs> Skanger. <laughs> it's awful. But yeah, there was a few of those. Yeah. Moose and Squirrel has been fun. Mm -hmm. It's been so much fun. Not Moose is the funniest thing Not I've ever Moose seen. Not Moose was... I don't know, actually. I you guys the, put it in. Yeah, I think Props did oh, that Props one. did it? Mm. But I not did, Moose. Uh, it's not in the script. I did Dean's phone. Wasn't it? You, 666. You did 666. And they, we just sent it down. They're like, yeah, that's kind of funny. Well, because it fits with what Crowley does to annoy people. Yes. Right. <laughs> yes. yes. It's like, really? Yeah. Not only, not only this, but also. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It is true. You, you, you look at you look at um, the thing that bug, would bug Crowley is is the, the preposition at the end of that torture scene. <laughs> You're driving crazy. No one in the history of torture has been tortured with torture like the torture you'd be tortured with. Torture. <laughs> with. <laughs> tortured. With. Tortured. And that is the echo. It's purely the echo because I remember vividly how clever Jensen was in that first scene in season five. Oh, back oh, in the Abandon All Hope. Yeah. yeah, back when he said, like, how about you don't miss morons? And he goes, you're the moron. It <laughs> 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 just waits for the. There's a nothing line. Yeah. yeah. I don't even know if it's in the script. I don't even know don't if know. it's in the script. And he goes, you're the moron. <laughs> and he's just but even if that wasn't in the head. script, it would just say, 
moron. Yeah, you're a moron. It wouldn't say you're the moron. Yeah, I think what I'm saying. But you're the moron. <laughs> is it plural? Is it it's like is, why in the middle of that chaos when you're dealing with the crossroads <laughs> demon and the gun yeah. is he going to be debated because that's what he does right. yeah. <clears throat> and he brings that whimsy to it which mm. is great. and I never forgot it and it just became a, a logical thing to go because you've got to commit to this dialogue that most of it doesn't make any sense to anybody else on the planet but, but <laughs> Crowley really I guess but you have to have it as conversation you can't mm. it can't just come out of your mouth going no one in the history of torture mm. has been tortured with torture, like the torture you'll be tortured right, with. Because right. it's just crap. Mm. you got to go... Yeah! With. Is it, what's the focus, you know? Yeah. So they do that. They throw me stuff like that all the time. Well, that's a lovely synergy you have working with the same writers over some time. Yeah. You yes. know, they're playing off what... You can do and what they want you to do, and I'm kind of astonished that their vernacular is, is so good. Mm. I mean, it's not, yeah. it's it's not awful for for. I mean, some people used to write English for me. It was like, oh, I don't know what that is. Mm. Bloody hell, mate, blimey! <gasps> hey, oh, girl. blimey, Mary Poppins! Yeah, hey, girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like having Cobber and mate in it. Yeah, oh. you were like really going yeah. out the Danny. Yeah, where the Sheilas are. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and you can't, you can't do it. You've got to have some sort of depth to it, and they. I was told a long time ago that they kind of, they kind of fight and row over who gets to write my dialogue. Oh really? Oh, that's awesome. They enjoy it. Yeah, I always love Crowley dialogue. It's always so. <laughs> Some of it is brilliant. It's it's Some always it so brilliant. funny and so. You're good, but I'm Crowley's mine. Yes, <laughs> that's that's bad and like, what are you gonna do? I'm like, well, I have to get up and I have to. I've got to get up and I've got the blade in my pocket. It's going to be obvious I have the blade in my pocket. There's no way to hide it because yeah. I'm shooting it. Yeah. I'm like, so I need a moment where. I actually need him to help me up. And he's like, really? I said, yeah, trust me. It's like, mm. He's a demon. He'd be so happy that he's beaten me, he's not going to notice that he's having to help me up. Right. It's, it's logical. It's like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, he, yeah. All right. and, he's well like, and he's like, yeah, I won. It's like, you're yeah. an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what idiot? Did you, yeah. you just walk straight into a blade. Right. You know? Yeah. Also, like the, the one where you're talking with the demon, he's giving you bad news, and you're on the phone, and you hang up the phone. And grab the blade. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that was a that was a mechanical. That had to work because of mechanically where we were. Right. Yes. So again, that's how do I do something that fits the character in a mechanical situation? Right. So that it fits the camera where it is. Exactly. In that room. Showwater. I mean, I remember the only time Showwater's I think ever directed me in an episode is at the end of the episode when Misha's in the in the um, in the diner and everybody's dead. Oh. oh yeah, and that just, just finds me in one line. That's my entire episode. Is the reveal at the end. That's show, the only time you work with Showwater. I think I've worked with Showwater on other shows. Yeah, but not. I here love him. I don't think I don't think we did anything else. Well, that's funny. Such a great director. And that was one of your hidden moments. I mean, big reveals that was kept from the audience. Too. Well, I, called, the, the, I called and said, "Why yes. take my name off?" Because I've done that before in other mm. shows. Oh. And they were like, "You can do that." I said, "Yes, I can. I, I have to request. You right. can't request." Oh right. Because it's a sag role. Oh. But I'm like, yeah, if I'm going to take my name off it, I can take my name off it. Sure. And they're like, great. Because if you have my name at the beginning, you Everyone's know I'm going to show up at the end. You're like, yeah. where is he? Where is he? Where is he? Oh, there he is. As opposed to, he's not in this episode. Well, oh, we yes, thought you were dead at that point. Yes. And yeah. this is in Mummy Dearest. But it was yeah. the, idea of, the idea of, I've always got to come and clean up your yes. crap. Your and that's shit. such a huge, re- that's the reveal for the whole season of what's been going on. And we all got chills on that one. Oh, I mean, yeah. that was That's the fun part of it, is that, that's where it's collaborative. I'm not collaborative in what happens to the characters and the story and 
whether I do or don't have a son or whether I'm in Mesopotamia or not. That's not, my, that's not my business. It's not my purview. But it is when it comes to whether it fits or can I make it better or is there anything I can do. They're so generous about letting me move little things that can tweak it better. And, and it, it doesn't happen a lot. Like I'm, I'm surprised by how little gets changed from the script. You know, by the actors. Some of my dialogue does a bit. Does it? Sometimes, Sometimes you move, you won't notice move things around. It's just moving words right. to make it make sense. Right. But it essentially stays in Stuff the Stuff that's American that you sort of yeah. flip and you go, well, actually, you'd say it the other way around. Right. From to up down. What for, room. for what? Yeah, exactly. Uh, mm. What for and for what? Well, American what for? tend to say what for, and we, I would say for what, oh, or okay. whatever, vice versa. Very English. Yeah, it's older English, English yeah. which is Australian. Yeah. Mm. Older English. It's educated, educated Australians the same as educated English. It's, mm. But it's in America, you're going, um, what for? Why are you doing this? What for? Yeah. You're going to buy what for? Right. Going to the shops, what for? Right. For what? Gotcha. It's very English. Mm. Mm. I, I didn't even notice. For what there purpose? There you go. Yeah. Mm. It's just a corruption. For what purpose or for what reason? Yeah. What for is garbage. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Give him what for. Yes. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's the other thing. I called Jeremy up about, about uh, at the line of the Cal. Did you have the Calvary line? No. Was it, uh, did we shoot? Yeah, that was last season. Yeah, it was last season. Thank God for that. Mm -hmm. Sorry, in the bar. Sorry, was that this season? That was last season. I'm no, it was when you were sitting and Dean orders his cheeseburger and doesn't eat it. Yeah. Oh, that's yes. the end of last yeah. season. So, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Just worried for a second. <laughs> like, no. Sorry, we can edit and post. No, no, sure. Um, so, tells you how tired I am. So, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, oh, yeah, Calvary. So, ah, Calvary's here. It's, it actually says, Calvary's here. And I was like, I wonder if this is a very complicated, convoluted joke about Jesus on the cross. Yeah. Seriously. Because you never quite sure. And oh, possibly. Dave, a dolly grip. It's like, Calvary? I mean, this is, we're talking about the level of intelligence right. in a crew. Yeah. It is, I'm sure there are lots of intelligent crew all over the world, oh, yeah. but our entire group is like this. This yeah. is what's really funny. You know, they're all literary and they're all filmic and they're all whatever. So he's going, Calvary? And I'm like, she says, surely, he said, Calvary, surely, surely, misspell it. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to call Jeremy. <laughs> so I call Jeremy, I get hold of Jeremy on t shirts. And I'm like, Cal Calvary? So he goes, yeah. I'm like, Seventh Cavalry? Or Calvary Hill. He goes, What? Well, yeah, like What's the Custer. Whatever. <laughs> I'm like, Not Calvary Hill? He's, he goes, What? No, he goes, Same thing. He goes, Oh no. I said, <gasps> Where Jesus was at? He goes, No. He goes, No. He goes, I'm not that smart. <laughs> I'm like, Yes, you are. <laughs> Don't say that to me. He goes, No, no, I just misspelled it. So. Uh -huh. He goes, Oh, great, yeah. I didn't even know they were two separate words. Yeah, but, but, <laughs> I mean, it's just a weird, it's like skeleton and skeleton. Like, oh, right, yeah. But it was like, I was like, oh, okay. Because you anticipate that there's some genius move yes, behind yes. everything that's done. Right. And sometimes it's sometimes just a cigar. Sometimes, sometimes it's just a cigar. Mark, you have to run here shortly. What is... Yeah, you just want to get off there. You want to get off the subway. Other than... Uh, has this been boring? Has this been fun? Oh! Have to do more other yes. than um, what you've been doing with Supernatural now that you're full time series regular, yeah. anything else uh, on the horizon? Can you do anything? I can, else? I can, I can do things. I got, I think, I got, I'm allowed to do a couple or three shots and stuff, mm. timing wise, but you know, obviously, this is going to take precedent, um, yeah. as it usually does, but uh, who knows? And I, you know, I never tip the hat to what I'm doing because. Mm -hmm. 
And what about what you would like to do? I kind of never do that either. There's a reason I don't do that, because uh-huh. I usually have to lie about. You know, people ask me, you know, what do you want to do? As right. I had a ticket to Cardiff in my pocket, that I had to be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. I'd love to be on, like, Torchwood. Who? <laughs> <laughs> and there I was. Uh-huh. So, you know, I've done pretty well so far. Yeah. I've had a great journey so far. and You're not giving up, are you? No, you never know. I, I, I love seeing where it unfolds. Mm-hmm. I don't try to push it. Mm. It comes, it comes. People have some interesting ideas about what I can do. Mm. And so, as I said, some wonderful writers out there go, mm. you know, Mark would be really interested in doing this. I was thinking of the all-power all Crowley hour. No, that's, that's more American. That's an NBC version. Yeah. The English <laughs> version would be O Crowley. Right. O Crowley. <laughs> o Crowley. O Crowley, you devil. And the other thing, I mean, of course, we are at the Vancouver Convention at the moment, and you enjoy conventions. I've seen you at Gelly One a number of times. I'll be back at Gelly. I know, I will be too. Which is Sean the was nice enough to invite me because you're part of the family, you have to come. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but you do. You get to travel the world, and I know you love. It's the it's the look to, to to wrap it up. I've said this before, but it but it really is important to me. It's that you know I come from live live music and live theatre. That was my that was my life. That was my my first career, and, and then my early acting career. And there's a connection that you have with an audience, like the, the sounds that audience make that, that televisions don't make. Um, the oohs and ahs, and the breathing in, and the laughs, mm-hmm. and the giggles, and even that, even that. Mm-hmm escape of air that just happened just then is is, is a, an organic thing it feeds me with what I do next my guest talks are never the same it depends mm. on what it is that's coming back at me if everyone's laughing we're in a different place yeah. if everybody's like ooh he's being snarky it's in a different place <laughs> it's a different feeling yeah. you know what I'm saying and you go with what it is and that's that's the wonderful nature of it when we're doing television we're doing it in front of at best 150 of our friends that's it at best right. you know at worst it's Thirty, right. you know, in mm. a rainy day in Vancouver, sitting out in Langley, yeah. you know, the GVRD or wherever it is. Everybody's in their trucks. Just yeah, everybody's just miserable. Going, yeah, no, we're not in jokey mood, Mark. You know, yeah. <laughs> try not to die in a thunderstorm. Yeah. <laughs> should, should be the MC's Nate. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. People, people, oh, people terrible. got as close to being in danger as as the as as safety would allow. I mean, I mean you imagine... Our production protected our crew without any question, mm. but they were at the point of almost pulling the plug. Those awning tents and having literally four PAs holding on to it for Strong July. hockey-playing PAs. Well, wind and rain are coming in from the side, yeah. That's just the girls. That's brutal. <laughs> and that was just the girls. Yeah, that was just the girls. And I mean, I mean, there's some... I mean, there's a lot of trying to keep people safe and, yeah. and, and comfortable. But, you know, and so we do that. There's not, there's not an audience. And then when you... You know, a lot of actors are like, why do the conventions? Isn't it a bit sad? Isn't it? It's like, really? <laughs> I remember talking to Matt Smith about conventions. He'd never done a convention. He's, and he wanted to know. He didn't really ask me. He was being really clever. <laughs> he was listening to somebody else whining about it. Right. Who doesn't enjoy it. Right. And I was like, really? And I heard somebody around that lot had used a phrase about, about, um, about fans. And I thought it was atrocious. I thought it was absolutely awful behaviour. Really, these people pay your bills. At a minimum, they pay your bills. <laughs> Look at it that way. Mm-hmm. The rest of the joy that they give you, yeah. the fact that they they, they they share their love with you, right. which is the most amazing thing you yes. can possibly have yeah. as an artist. It's awful behavior. Right. And Matt was just, he's really smart. He's just listening and, and, and Arthur's just listening. And I'm like, you know, we do this for us. And we went, oh, that was great. Oh, wonderful. And you get a little round of applause or whatever it goes. And then it goes into post, and then mm. these guys play with it, and then Phil's messing with it some more, and then he gets tweaked by it. Mm. And we don't own it anymore. 
and it goes to your house and we're not in your house watching it with you we don't get that <gasps> oh, that reaction that that thing mm -hmm. but when you go to a convention it all comes back round mm -hmm. in a circle so the guest talks mm -hmm. are the shared experience mm -hmm. of that moment remember that moment <gasps> mm -hmm. and you're sort of coming back to that circle and that's sacred to me that's the true audience so the signings, yeah, mm. I mean, it's just a memento of being there. It's just right. proof you were there, yes. I guess. You know, it's not really what it's for. I don't, I, very little gets said in a signing situation of any real import. There's some people who are nervous and that's the only time they can talk. Very little gets said in the photo. The photos are a collection of the photo. Mm -hmm. but when you're in a guest talk, that's the most fabulous time. That's the most intimate, the most honest, the mm. most open time. It certainly is for me. Mm. Well, it is for fandom too, because we're usually on our own or with one other person watching the show. And to be part of that thing together physically and sharing those emotions and then having you there is you know, what gets we us off is the videos of you seeing yes. you guys seeing Dean's eyes open. Yeah. <laughs> you see these eyes open. We were there. Yeah. We were <laughs> That that's was the, brilliant. That to me is like, you know, that's the fun part. Yeah, that's that the part brilliant. where we go, yeah, yeah, we hit, we hit, we hit the ball. We didn't miss the ball. Yeah, we hit the ball. Where it go? Whether it's home run, yeah. whether it's a, you know, you know, sometimes it's an infield homer. Sometimes sometimes it's weird stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sometimes it's a fumble. <laughs> sometimes it's a three forced errors goes, and you still get the score. Goes through the keeper. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where it is, but it's the fact that we try, mm. and we really are trying, and I think that's why the show lasts. Because we really are trying to make the best possible show that we can. Yeah. Yeah. I know our, my department is. What about yours? Yeah. Uh, we we yeah. put a bit of effort in. Yeah. <laughs> Three days out of five. Yeah, yeah, at least. Yeah. It, it's been a pleasure. If you want to do this again, we'll do this again. I'd right, love we'll, to. Uh, Thank you so much. We'll, uh, There's plenty things. more to talk about. We, can, oh, we haven't even touched the rest of Battlestar, Firefly. Oh, we'll oh, we do a show. show. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely do a Firefly one. That would be a lot of fun, actually. We should do that. Because I had a great deal of fun. Yeah, yeah. Are you a fan of everything you worked on? Uh, uh, like every show? Do you get into it and meet the fandom? Yeah. I mean, there's only one show I didn't have a good time on. Well, I guess the end of... I guess, there's, there's some shows that, I mean, I guess we just did some... I just wrapped up on the end of a show that, that they weren't having a good time, so I guess I didn't mm -hmm. enjoy myself so much. But uh -huh. but um, I felt for them, because they, you know, they had a 12-episode season that was cut to six, and then it becomes a thing. And, yeah. you know, good, good people, just hard time to, right. to deal with, you yeah. know? But I think Voyager was my least favorite experience. Although I was working with Jerry Ryan, who was yeah. my favorite woman in the world. Oh, right. I mean, that's a broad. She's a broad. <laughs> sexy and great and brilliant. And, you know, I'm sure she chews tobacco and spits. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like anyway, she's just a fantastic woman. She's just a lovely woman. But I didn't have fun with the other one. The other one drove me bananas. She really drove me cuckoo bananas. And it wasn't fun to do. And, and I ended up looping the entire performance because it was too interesting. <gasps> it was one of those sort of oh, things no. and it just became this thing of really I get to do Star Trek and this is what happens yeah. mm -hmm. I'm watching people that are not having a good time yeah. with mm -hmm. each other yeah. and why? why how can you not like Jerry Ryan yeah. <laughs> especially when Jerry was starting out and was so gentle and nice and lovely and, and she had a great costume yeah. I, lo I love the fact that she would walk around in a giant puffy dressing gown because yeah. otherwise everybody's just staring up the crack of her ass <laughs> <laughs> You know, Poor thing. Yeah, but she was holding Max. Max yeah. was a little baby. Yeah. She was holding Max. She was holding Max in her arms. Oh, that's cute. But she's just a fabulous. She's a fabulous woman. Worked with her on Leverage. Where, you know, she mm. was on Shark. She was. But those are good things. Leverage, wonderful yes. experience. Yeah. Wonderful experience. I love those guys. Yeah. 
a lot. Right. Absolutely. And do you we watch do the episodes? Like, do you try to get into a series? I do. Like I mean, I watch who? I watch. Yeah. I watch. And I is watch that is that part of you only picking projects of stuff that you're interested in? I think they. I think they find me, or yeah. I find them. I think the stuff that I've enjoyed the most, you can tell because it's recurred or right. come back because you can see I have a, some sort of thing to say in it. Mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. And those that I don't, don't. Yeah. yeah. You know. I had fun, I've had fun on all of it. I mean, mm. they couldn't work out how to bring me back on X Files. That was the thing. It was right. too mm. big a baddie. Yeah. What are you going to do if you su- if he survives? Right. Yeah. <laughs> what about a shirtless guy in silk stockings? Would you do that one again? I wasn't shirtless guy. I saw you shirtless guy. <laughs> I, I'm sure, I'm, I have a sex scene with my shirt on. I've been doing yeah. sex sure. scenes for twenty years. <laughs> oh, too much information. <laughs> That's right. You have to go and do signatures, Mark Shepard. <laughs> You know, they've been getting your gear off in Supernatural. Yeah, so, yeah. I'm just like, yeah. I've got more naked sex scenes than the boys do. Yeah. Well, well start working out, start looking. Yeah. You get that six pack going. I'll have a six pack by Christmas. Dude, I'm, I'm, I'm no problem at all. Right. Good. You're like, yeah. <laughs> You're like, you'll have a keg. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much, Mark Shepard. Thank yeah. you, Mark Thanks for coming to the podcast. Hope we can do it again. And for everybody listening, thank you. Tune in next week when we're talking about other shows. Other shows. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> if you like the podcast, please consider giving us a review on iTunes. Send mail to fans at tvchinwag.com or follow on Twitter at tvchinwag. Music for this podcast provided by YouTube Music. For Ryan, Jules, and myself, thanks for listening to TV Chinwag. I don't know.